My heart in this series is going to be to teach you on the concept of prayer. My heart in this series is that when the disciples came to Jesus, they didn't say, teach us how to open blinded eyes. They did not say, teach us how to raise the dead. They did not say, teach us how to uh, heal the lepers. They did not say, teach us how to walk on water. Rather, when they came, they came with one petition on their heart, and it was, Lord, teach us how to pray. Because they saw that his prayer was the conduit of his power. They knew that his relationship and life with the Father was the demonstration that they were seeing on the horizon. They knew because of his prayer life it was connection to his power life. So many times in the church what we want is we want the power but we don't want to give time to prayer. So for one to truly walk in the dudamos, the spirit of power of God, Christ in us, the hope of glory, one must commit him or herself to a consecrated act called prayer. Prayer changes things. Luke chapter 3 and verse 21 says, And when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus was also baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was open. Verse 22, And the Holy Spirit descended in him in bodily form like a dove and upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved son. In you I am well pleased. Father, we thank you today for the honor and gift of prayer. Father, I boldly confess here on this altar this morning, God, that I am nothing but a man in need of the anointing and the touch of God in my life. Father, to properly demonstrate, to properly articulate, to properly give the word of God unto ears that have ears to hear. Father, we thank you that ears are open now in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you that every voice that, that, that is speaking contrary to the word of God, the things of God, is being canceled and silenced now in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you that the pits of hell are being closed, but the heavens are being opened. God, we thank you that as we give ourselves in prayer, even now, the Spirit of God is descending upon this body, upon this congregation. God, we thank you that as our mouth is opened, so are the heavens, and God, angels are coming, ministering and working among us. God, they're healing the sick, they're raising the dead, they're opening eyes, they're causing ears to hear what the Spirit of God is speaking. God, we thank you for the gift of prayer. God, we thank you that we are becoming people of prayer. God, we thank you, Lord, that you have called each and every one of us to this gift of prayer in Jesus' mighty name. You may be seated all over the house. Turn to your neighbor, look at him, and tell him, I pray. Turn to your other one that you were awkwardly not wanting to say that to and tell them boldly, I pray. Go back to Luke chapter 3, verse 21, as I want to teach you this morning. If you came for a bunch of spit, slinging, snot, slinging, preaching, you're probably not going to get it this morning. I really want to break this down. I want to say this. I've never seen this before. Reading this scripture, I've preached this scripture a hundred times. We're in the midst of a baptism revival. 90 some, 93 people baptized in the last 90-some days. Come on, give Jesus praise for that. I've taught on this scripture recently, but I've never seen this. You ever just get in the word of God, begin to read, and all of a sudden you see something that you never saw before? It's like the scales fall off your eyes, and all of a sudden Holy Spirit will speak something new to you. So while I was reading this, and, and, and this captured my attention, it says, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus was also, was also was baptized, and while he prayed... 
I'm sorry, but every TBN documentary I've ever seen, Jesus comes into the water. John's standing there in his camel hair. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Looks like he's been rolling around in mud. And, and there he is standing there. And Jesus, behold, the Lamb of God wades out into the water. And there John takes him and lays him down in the water. And glory to God, the heavens are open and a voice speaks. That's what they highlight. But I want you to know something that is so strategic, I believe, in this moment that we as a church have missed. It says that when he was baptized... And while he prayed, hold on, hold on, hold on, wait, Jesus, the son of God is about to be baptized, whoa, but here's another thing, the one who is the way, the truth, and the life is also in prayer. Can I tell you that if Jesus prayed, I think we ought to? But while he prayed, the heaven was opened. The Bible talks consistently about Jesus' prayer life. In one place, it says that it was his custom to withdraw and pray. Another place in the Bible says that he knelt down to pray. Another place in the Bible says he went a stone's throw further to give himself into prayer. Another place in the Bible, it tells us about the Garden of Gethsemane, where he is praying so intensely that his sweat becomes like drops of blood. Jesus' ministry begins directly after his baptism where he was led into the wilderness guess what to do to fast and to pray hold on watch this jesus's ministry is birthed after a season of intense prayer and fasting you're not ready for ministry until you're ready to pray there you go there's your ministry 101 you want to be in ministry let me ask you something are you in prayer Jesus is being prepared for his earthly ministry and the way that he's about to be prepared, it's not through the laying of hands. Come on, it's not through some some man adorned in a red robe with four gold bars down the sleeves. It is through the Spirit of God coming on him, telling him to intercede, to pray in the fast. Prayer becomes the petitioning power that manifests his ministry in the realm of the earth. How do you know you're being called into the ministry? I'll tell you why, because you're gonna be called into prayer. If you, oh my God, hear me this morning. If you feel yourself with an unction to withdraw, if you feel like you need to get away from people, if you need to get away from Facebook, if you need to get away from TV, if you need to get away from just places and you want to go and constantly give yourself into prayer, I got a little inkling to tell you this morning, there is a quite a coincidence that maybe just properly you're going to be called into ministry. Whenever there is an intensity of prayer, fasting, and commitment of consecration into the things of God, you cannot have ministry without prayer. If you're not ready for for prayer, you're not ready for ministry. If Jesus, the Son of God, prayed, let me ask you something. How, How often should we pray? If Jesus, the Son of God, made time for prayer, how much more should we pray? If Jesus could say, I pray... Shouldn't we be able to say, I do too? Have you ever noticed, though, in the life of a believer, there are two things, it seems, that the enemy will distraught your time from having? One is going to be prayer, and the other is going to be reading the Word of God. Oh, come on. Let's check your screen time. You'll have six hours for Facebook. You'll have three hours for Snapchat. My God, we're going to preach old school this morning. You'll have, you'll have two hours every evening to sit down and watch reruns of Wheel of Fortune. 
But all of a sudden, for some cosmic coincidental problem, you do not have time to give yourself into 15 minutes of prayer. Why? Because the enemy knows that if he can ever rob you from the time of prayer, then you don't get to talk to God. And if he can ever rob you from time of being in the word, God doesn't get to talk to you. Let me take you back to middle school. What was the grounds of every great relationship? Communication. Y'all know, you told her in seventh grade, you don't love me. And she said, what do you mean? You don't talk to me anymore. What were you saying? You were saying communications was the ground of every successful relationship. Hear me. Prayer is you talking to God. Prayer is saying, Jesus, I love you. You don't have to ask, does Kyle love you? Because I'm going to meet with you sometimes in the midnight hour. I'm going to meet with you on my morning drive to work. I'm going to meet with you when all hell's breaking loose. I'm going to meet with you when the, when the bread basket's overflowing. I'm going to meet with you, and I'm going to let you know I love you. And then I'm going to open your word that is 66 books testament upon testament about your love your plan your purpose jeremiah 29 11, for i know the plans i have for you declares the lord they are good they are for a future they are for a hope they are to bring you to an expected end he said i got something for you and it's good but you've got to get in my word to hear it prayer is our communication with god god's word is his communication with us if Jesus, the Son of God, prayed, how much more should we pray? Pray, or praying is not just something Jesus did. Prayer was given to all of us in mankind as a tool for discovering purpose. Listen to me. Let me tell you something. The Bible said that your treasure, your purpose, the kingdom of God, is buried in a field. Hold on, because you already missed it. He said it was buried in a field. He did not say it was sitting in a field. Ha, ah, my God, there you go. Some of you just caught it. In other words, you're going to have to dig to discover. Oh, this is good teaching right here. See, and listen to me. Some of you have been praying, God, what's my purpose? God, what's your plan for my life? But do you know what the word of God said? He said your purpose is buried in a field, and you got to not only find it, but you're going to have to dig it up. I came to tell you this morning, the way that you dig up what God has destined for you is you begin to get into prayer, and you begin to say, God, I want you. God, I need you. God, here I am. Lord, send me. And all of a sudden, as you begin to dig the dirt off, of it you begin to find the treasure and all of a sudden the kingdom of God comes alive in your life he said you're gonna have to dig though to find it prayer is the tool by which men dig to discover the destiny and the plan and the calling of God for their life prayer is not just something that Jesus did prayer was given for us in the tools of discovering but can I tell you that all the way back in Genesis we find people that were able to say I pray Genesis chapter 3 in verse 8, I'm a huge proponent of understanding original intent. So to really discover something, you have to first go back to what it was in its original intent, in its original form. Why? Because it's like the game telephone. Somebody tells you something, and by the time it gets to the end of the line, it's completely misconstrued. Why? Because of everything that got in the middle that disoriented it. 
So to discover original intent, you bypass all the middle way. You go back to the beginning, find out what was originally said, and then here I'm going to teach you some Bible class. Then you have a system that is outlined throughout the Bible called hermeneutics, where the scripture says line upon line and precept upon precept. When God begins to speak to you about a revelation, you take that revelation, you go back, you find it in its first original spoken so that you can find the root of the word. My God, I'm teaching some Bible class here this morning. And then from there, you begin to build throughout the rest. And then you find scripture upon scripture upon scripture that confirms it. And let me tell you something the Bible said, let every word be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. There's a good idea that if you can't back up what something is speaking to you by two scriptures, it may not be the spirit of God. That's just Bible teaching for you. Hold on. So to understand prayer, we have to go to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8 because what we find is prayer in its original intent. Now, I'm, I'm going I'm to I'm help some people here this morning that have trouble with prayer, okay? And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 3 verse 8, and they heard the sound, everybody say the sound, sound. of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and Adam said this Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord and among the trees of the garden now catch this let me break this down this is the first place that we begin to see a pattern of communication yes. with God what do you mean where's the pattern and they heard the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day the Bible says consistently that God would come in the cool of the day and he would walk. He showed up at an appointed time. Mm. He showed up at a designated time. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Every day at the cool of the day, the sun goes down and God shows up. Watch this, watch this. How many of you, when you were kids, maybe if you grew up in a neighborhood and they came in and they installed those street lights, that when the sun went down, the light came on and it was time for you to go home. Mama told you when the street lights come on, go home. Some of you city folk know what I'm talking about. You country folks said, Mama got out on the porch and she rang a bell. Daddy fired the shotgun on the back porch. We knew it was time to get home. Watch this. The sun goes down, and it's a sign that God's about to show up. I can imagine the hotness of the day. I can imagine the heat on the ground as Adam and Eve were tilling, laboring, working amongst the, the, the ground, doing what God had called them to do, seeing the fruition of their fruit. But yet there in the hot of the day, I can imagine that they longed for that cool moment to show up. That moment when him, the one who created them, who took the dust of the earth and began to speak into them, I can imagine that their hearts began to pound as they watched the sun begin to drop below the trees. I can imagine that Adam would begin with intensity to dis desire to watch the sun drop all the way below the horizon because when the sun went down God showed up but watch this every day in the cool of the day it was at a specific place at a specific time the Bible says they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in one scripture it says they heard his voice walking watch this they heard his 
voice, not his feet. <laughs> they heard his voice walking in the cool of the day. Notice that it does not say that they heard his voice worrying. It does not say that they heard his voice running. It says that they heard his voice walking. I love the power that is demonstrated in this scripture that God's voice would come and walk with man. That God's voice would casually stroll through life with us. That it's not for those that run the fastest. It's not for those that work the hardest. But it is for those that will daily get at a place where they're willing to walk with God. A relationship with God is not for those that have the fastest. But it is for those that can walk daily with him. It's a daily time of prayer it's a daily time in his word it is a daily moment of listening for and to his voice how do you have a life of prayer you have to have an identified time David said, early in the morning will I rise and seek you. Can I tell you the reason why some of you don't have time for prayer? Because you're not making time for prayer. Mm. You know what I love? God will visit you at the nighttime like he will in the morning. Because for some of you folk, you ain't morning people. If Jamie Meyer had to get up to pray at 4 o'clock in the morning to have time with God, she would be on her way to hell quick. Just saying, just saying, just saying, just saying. Her mouth is dropped open. She's, I love you, babe. You're, you're wonderful. You're amazing. You're a mighty evening prayer warrior. God comes in, wakes her up at four in the morning. She's like, just leave me alone. At least that's what she does to me. But the cool part about this is the cool of the day. It's the fact that God is a proponent of those that will sit apart time to spend time with him. How do you develop a lifestyle of prayer? The first thing you do is you set a time to pray. Watch this. Because I'm about to issue a challenge to this church. It is not going to be, listen, because the Bible cautions us and in this series I'll teach you about this. He's not looking for people that pray the loudest. Come on, coming from a preacher and a prayer that's very loud, okay? Because of your volume does not confirm your density. Woo! There's a lot of people, y'all, y'all know the dude, oh, y'all don't remember. See, I wasn't always in church. Sometimes I used to be in the club. You know the dude that's in the club, is oh, that's, uh, the most obnoxious, is the most loudest. Y'all remember him? He was one that always got knocked out. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Okay. So because you're loud does not mean you got anything. Ah, oh, my God. Jesus warns us against being the one that wants to be seen while we pray. Jesus warns us about the one that wants to have many words when he prays. Jesus warns us, come on, the upside down kingdom. The way to get up is how to get down. I must decrease that he can increase. It's not so that I can be loud. It's how can I be quiet. Yeah. Woo. Okay. Okay. But here's the thing, I want you to set apart a time. I'm going to follow up with this in this series. I want us to get into the nature of setting an alarm in your day to pray. 
It may be at 1030. I'll pray through this and let you know, but I'm going to release instructions over this next week that this church daily is going to have a set-apart time of prayer. Because when we make time, the sun goes down and God shows up. I love the fact that his voice wasn't high in the heaven, but his voice was in the earth. Catch that. The Bible said that his voice was walking in the cool of the day. I'm so thankful that we don't serve a God that we have to go to heaven to speak with. But rather, he comes and walks with us. He walks with us in our day. He walks with us in our job. He walks with us in our marriages. He walks with us in our finances. He walks with us in our health. He walks with us in our hurts. He walks with us in our pains. He walks with us in our good times. He walks with us in our bad times. Because God is here in the earth. He's not waiting for us to get to heaven to speak to him. He comes consistently throughout our day and is speaking to us. He is admonishing us and encouraging us in prayer to seek his face that he may be found. A powerful concept of prayer demonstrated here is that we don't have to climb to heaven, but that heaven comes down. God comes down and communes with us. If we will set an appointment daily to meet with God, to come in the cool of the day, I want you to know God will show up. Was God here this morning in prayer service for anybody that was here? Will you raise your hand if you were here for prayer service? Now keep your hand lifted if you know God was here. If you set a time in prayer, God will show up. Once again, I love the fact that it's in the cool of the day because cool is signifying a refreshing place. It wasn't in the hot of the day. It wasn't in the hard work of the day. God came in the cool of the day. Why? Because when God's presence truly shows up, it's refreshing. Some of you don't want to pray because you think prayers work. You have missed what prayer is. When you think prayer is work, listen to me, my God. Prayer is to God as to what a hug is to me from my wife. It's not work it's affirmation, it's love, it's intimacy, it's, it's communication, nonverbal communication. And what it does is begins to speak to me. Some of you are hindering yourselves from prayer because you feel like prayer is work. If you think prayer is work, you've already missed what prayer is. I'm going to teach about that in just a moment. Because Acts 3 and 19 says that refreshing comes from the presence of the Lord. God shows up in the cool of the day. Prayer happens at a refreshing time. Why? Because prayer is refreshing. You need refreshed? Let me tell you what you need. You need prayer. You need to take and spend some time in prayer. Put some worship music on. Shut the TV off. Get in your bedroom. Close the door and begin to pray to the God of heaven. The one that loved you. Who sent his son to die for you. The one that is for you and not against you. The one that said you're a more than a conqueror. The one that said I am for you and I am not against you and all of a sudden refreshing will come in your life you know what the problem is with so many Christians they're stale they're stale on yesterday's experiences you prayed a prayer one time God moved in your life you had hot tears run down your face and they ain't run down your face in six months six years 
You know what's happened, brother? You know what happened, sister? You got, you've become stale. You know what you need? You need a refreshing. You need the bread of heaven to come and get warm again in your life. You need to give yourself to prayer and watch and see that the fire of God will take the staleness out of your life and you'll fall in love with Jesus again. Yeah. Prayer brings a refreshing because the refreshing comes in the presence of the Lord. Why must we pray? Because prayer becomes the place of refreshing. Let me just teach for a moment. Have you ever wondered what Adam and Eve prayed about? <laughs> Seriously, what, what did they pray about? Because they had no children, so therefore they had absolutely no problems. <laughs> Amen? Amen. Say it louder, sister. Amen. Amen. They had no children, so they had no problems. Oh, y'all forgot what it was like to have kids. Some of y'all say, I can't wait till these kids get out of the house. We can get back to being me and you. You know what you just said? You said, before kids, we had no problems. Adam and Eve didn't have no kids at this moment, but guess what? The Bible says that they're in prayer. What does somebody do with prayer? They ain't got no problems. Y'all, they had no sickness. They had no in-laws. Love you, Lois. Love you, Cracky. Say the same about my parents. Mom and Dad, I love you. They had no stress. They had no neighbors. They had no money. What in the world did they pray about? They had no frustration. None whatsoever. Life is just peachy cream. God's showing up in the cool of the day. What do you talk to him about? What do you talk to him about? Sounds like to me, prayer in its original intent was never to do with problems. If they made time for prayer, and if they had something to pray about, then that tells me if they had no problems at this point, then prayer in its original form must have never been for problems. So what did they talk to God about? See, prayer was never created to be a 911 helpline. It was mandated to be heaven's love line. It was created so that you could come to him and say, God, I love you. God, you're good. You're worthy of my worship. You're worthy of my praise. God, you've been so good to me. I can believe when God showed up, Adam and Eve, before the fall, they came running out. They came celebrating them. Look at him. He's holy. He's mighty. He's wonderful. He's glorious. He's powerful. He's omnipotent. He's wonderful. He's glorious. He's the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. Look at him. Because prayer in its original intent was never about problems. It was about petition. It was about lavishing love on the one who loves you. It was a gift that was given to dig through the dirt and say, God, you're good. Woo, I feel them in here. Some of y'all have trouble all the time. You know why? 
Because it's the only time you pray. And God says, well, this seems to be the philosophy that works for you. So Satan's like, well, I want to touch their home. I want to touch their marriage. And God's like, man, man, go ahead, because Romans 8, 28, it's all going to turn around. They're going to come back and pray to me. I've been wanting to hear from them. I ain't heard from them because everything's been going good on their job that they prayed to me to give them. I ain't heard from them since they went back to the doctor and said there is no more signs of cancer. I ain't heard from them. I ain't heard from them since the bank account went from triple zeros to six digits. I ain't heard nothing from them. Some of you face trouble, and the only reason why you face trouble is because it's the only time that God hears from you. Can I help you change your life? Begin to thank him when it's good. Begin to praise him, praise him, praise him even when it's good. Begin to exalt him. Begin to worship him. Begin to say, thank you, God. I've got everything I need, but you're still everything that I want. Every believer's number one priority should be connecting or walking in the cool of the day with God. Therefore, every believer's priority should be prioritized in the place called prayer. If you're going to be a believer, you're going to be a person of prayer. If you're going to be a son or a daughter of God, you're going to commit yourself into prayer. Do you know what I love about prayer? Prayer is so subtle. Prayer doesn't have to be this big religious spectacle that we've made it out to be. Some of y'all, you're so spiritual. It's time to eat, time to eat dinner. You like push the chair back. <laughs> Shh, I'm trying to pray. God can't hear me through all your noise and laughter. Let me tell you what prayer is first. Prayer is the posture of your heart. See, I think sometimes we worry so much about getting this right that we miss this. Jesus said before you even come to the altar, in other words, before you come and even pray and offer your gifts and petitions, if you've got a problem with your brother, you go fix it first. What did he say? What did he say? He said you fixed the posture of this before you ever bring the posture of this. See, in the church, we've made prayer out like it's some big religious formula. Let me tell you what it is. The same way you talk to your closest friend is the way that God wants you to talk to him. The most spiritual moments I've ever had in my life were outside of a church and most oftentimes in my vehicle. When I'm riding down the road, song comes on just right and it hits me in my heart and all of a sudden out of my mouth begins to flow lavishing words of love you turn graves into gardens and all of a sudden I'm like oh God I was dead and you made me alive hey 
I was bound, but you set me free. I was cast out, but you brought me in. And all of a sudden, I begin to lavish words of love. Next thing you know, I got the radio turned down, and I'm all the way in, set on cruise control, tears streaming down my face, driving with my knee, giving God praise in the Holy Ghost. Y'all ain't never done that before? That's the Holy Ghost hit you while you drive and move. <laughs> John 17 and 11, I'm almost done. Jesus, Jesus, the Son of God, prays. Why would the Son of God pray? John 17, 11, takes us into one of his most intimate prayers, I believe. It's prior to the time, basically, of his betrayal, ascension, resurrection, all that is to come. Jesus hits what I call in John 17, the time of intercession leading up to the moment of his betrayal, and he prays this most powerful prayer. He says, now I no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep through your name, those who you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. See, the pure goal of prayer was not to give you whatever you want or that you feel like you're lacking. The pure goal of prayer was not to make sure all your problems disappear. The pure goal of prayer was oneness with God. When we commune with God, God comes back and we see a restoration of the garden. No longer in Eden, but it may be the garden in Darlington. Where God is walking in the cool of the day. He's talking with you. You're talking with him like man does with a friend. And all of a sudden, God begins to speak back to you. What is happening? The prayer of John 17 is coming to pass. Jesus said, Father, I pray that you keep them as one as you and I as a one. Come on, prayer, or come on worship team. Come on, prayer team. See, doesn't nothing bring greater unity to a church? than a hunger to pray together. How do you know a church is unified? How do you know a church that ain't got no place for no devil to get in? You show me a people that are accompanied together in prayer, that are lavishing their love on God, and when they get in prayer, the times of refreshing come because the presence of God shows up, and all of a sudden, things that would divide them, all of a sudden, things that would offend them, all of a sudden, things that would scatter them, God, in his great infinite wisdom, comes and sits down in the midst of the congregation, and he begins to work a work and say, God... Keep them together as one. Keep them together as one. Keep them together as one. He didn't say one church. He didn't say one faith. He didn't say one people. He just said one. Why? He said, I pray that they be one. Why? Because in one you get one church. In one you get one faith. In one you get one Lord. In one you get one baptism. He wasn't worried about a name. He was worried uh, and focused more and petitioning more on collectiveness and unity. He said, man, if they can ever get together like you and I are together. 
If they can just be one like you and I are one, that when, when you move, I move. When you speak, I speak. That Jesus would come and be able to say things like, the son does nothing unless he sees the father do it first. What did he say? He said, we're one. What would happen if your life was so committed in prayer that you would no longer wonder what God wanted you to do, but you constantly heard his voice because you were constantly walking with him? What would the church look like if we became such people of prayer, my God, woo, that we'd no longer have to pray and say, God, what is your will? But we would be in constant prayer, knowing the will of God, knowing the mind of God, knowing the heart of God. We would no longer have to look at leadership teams and say, hey, let me stop and pray about it. But because we've been in constant prayer and because we're constantly in prayer and supplication, we're constantly knowing what the mind, the will, and the heart of God is. What would happen if his church really became one, really became one collective unit, Do you want to fix your marriage? Pray together. Do you want to fix your children? Teach them to pray. And then pray with them. Do you want to fix your church? Pray together. We were in prayer service this morning. I was nailed at this altar. Kai came in and, you know, you'll find out in my past, being a pastor, I'm very transparent and I'll probably say a lot of things that most pastors want to keep hidden about their lives but I'm just a man that Jesus loves for some unknown reason but my kids like probably many of yours they like tablets like phones like stuff like that and a lot of times as a dad what I'll do is I'll pass him the phone to occupy him for what he needs to be occupied with so I can do what I need to do and this morning I stepped into prayer service and there was such a powerful tangible presence of God a refreshing spirit of God in this place and Kai came through the door with my phone and I was thinking in my mind, that's great. He can play on his phone. I can get myself to prayer and be ready for today's service. Sat him in that chair and the Spirit of God spoke to me and he said, what would happen if you occupied him in my presence? I grabbed the phone, I turned it off and I looked at little Kai and I said, buddy, you want to pray with me? He said, yeah, daddy. And we came and we knelt down to the soldier and I was... I said, pray with me. And he said, no, Daddy, I want to pray for you. See, I wanted to be a blessing, but God made him the blessing. I wanted to pray for him. And little four-year-old Kai said, no, Daddy, I want to pray for you. And I don't know what he said. I don't need to know. But I know as I was nailed at that altar, he laid on my back and began to rub my back. And when he did, I felt the hot, fiery presence of God come down in my life. And I just began to weep under his wooing and soothing and love that he was lavishing on me. What am I saying? I'm saying he didn't get up with loud volume. He didn't get up with infinite wisdom. He didn't get up with, a, with an ordination. He didn't get up with a doctorate degree. The boy knew what love was, and love was the language of prayer. Because prayer was never about problems. Prayer was never about problems. Prayer was about getting your heart in a posture to lavish your love on him.